Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week, and uh, we are probably going to dig in a little bit deeper today. I'm almost a little reluctant to tackle this, uh, not because I'm afraid to tackle it, but because of time restraints on how to really explain this. But we're dealing with the Mythcad gate, which is the final gate uh, of the study we've been doing on Nehemiah on the 12 gates of Nehemiah. And each one of these gates has been significant in some form of bringing us to reformation and restoration of the city of God and the temple of God, which we have already made clear is not talking about a physical building, but a spiritual house of God. This last gate, or the gate of uh, the gate where uh, it was called the gate, Mithcad gate was uh, in Nehemiah, from my text was Nehemiah 3, 31 and 32, where that gate was named. This final gate is also the gate of inspection or uh, the muster gate or the gate of gathering. It's come from the word appointed place. We talked a little bit about Golgotha being the place where they, uh, the head count was at because it was the head uh, of Goliath was buried at Golgotha and the head count that brought judgment to us as believers was fulfilled at that time as we stand before that kind of a gate. We realize as believers, our judgment is not in our future. It's in our past and that Christ was our judgment. And we can have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this present world. And we want to talk a little bit about this gate a little bit more today because it was the road leading up to the Mount of Olives, but it was uh, called the appointed place of the place of gathering or the place of inspection. And so uh, as I looked into this a little bit deeper, uh, some scholars say that this gate speaks to us of the Bema seat of Christ where our lives are inspected and rewarded appropriately. Scripture teaches that to be at the coming of Christ and the angels of God when they gather God's elect. Now, I'm going to look at that in a different viewpoint than perhaps some of you will uh, have known me to teach about, but we have a lot of teaching on this, uh, even in our Revelation series on YouTube. But uh, I want to read a few scriptures because I believe that he's uh, going to. We're going to talk about the Great White Throne and the Judgment Seat of Christ, which uh, is is a little bit testy to do in just a short period of time. But uh, verse, uh, this is Matthew 24 from the New King James. Immediately, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together His elect from one end of heaven to the other. And this is a time at this gathering that the saints will be rewarded according to their faithfulness in doing God's will. You can read a little bit further in Matthew 24, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say that he will... Uh, make him rule all of his goods. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, 
and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkard and the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware and will cut him into and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now these are all scriptures that are dealing with the coming of Christ. Now let me just, uh, I'm like I said, I'm reluctant to just open this can of worms in just a short amount of space, but if you've listened to any of my teaching, you know that I teach uh, eschatology a whole lot different than maybe many people do. And what I show is that there are several places in the Scripture that talks about, Jesus, for instance, said, you will not have finished going through the cities of Jerusalem, talking to the first generation, till the Son of Man be come. There are some of you standing here that will not taste death till you see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. He looks at Caiaphas, the high priest, and quotes Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to read from that in just a moment to show you that the judgment that he's talking about in Matthew 24 is not a judgment that's in the future, but a judgment that occurred to the old covenant saints in the first century as they're coming to the close of the old covenant age and the dawning of the new covenant age. The last days, those of you who follow me realize that the biblical last days are not talking about the end of a global uh, collapse. It was talking about the end of the covenant. When we see in Matthew 24, where we've just read from, they asked Jesus as He stood before the beautiful buildings of the temple, He said to them, uh, do you not see all these things? Not one stone to be left upon another that will not be thrown down. He's pointing at the temple, the physical temple. The destruction of that temple will give birth to the birthing of a spiritual temple. The destruction of old Jerusalem will give birth to the construction of the heavenly Jerusalem, the spiritual city of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being chief cornerstone. Matthew 24, what really throws us off, he said, what will be the sign, three questions, what will be the sign of your coming, when will these things be, and, and the end of the world. King James says end of the world. Every other translation, including King, New King James, will translate that more correctly by not saying the end of the world. The word world there is the Greek word age, and they later correct that even in the New King James what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Namely, not the end of this age, the end of the old covenant age. Paul the Apostle talked about, and, and 1 Corinthians 10, he talks about them being the first century church at Corinth, upon whom the ends, plural, of the ages have now come. So the end of the ages, or what the King James would, call, uh, King James would translate, the ends of the world have now come. Uh, Hebrews 9 says, Once in the end of the world hath He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. But the more correct rendition of that word is in, again, the New King James, which says, Once in the end of the ages has He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. So we know that that's not in the future. That's in the past. I just say many times when I'm teaching eschatology, what you believe about end times is probably a lot of it is correct, except that you have the end at the wrong spot. The end of the world is not the end of a cosmic collapse or the globe falling apart. The end 
of the world was the end of the age, namely the end of the old covenant age and the closing of that age where the elements literally melted with fervent heat. The elements he was talking about was their temple, their sacrificial system, and their old covenant. So when it's talking about him coming in the clouds, Jesus literally himself told Caiaphas that uh, there's some of you, he said, you from henceforth, he told Caiaphas, from henceforth you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He told Caiaphas that. Now let me just go and read some things here to you from from Daniel chapter 7, and I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified Classic because it will do most of your historic uh, background work for you. Verse number 1 says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions in his head as he was lying upon his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the gist of the matter. Daniel said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens. Political and social agitations were stirring up the great sea, the nations of the world. And four great beasts came up out of the sea in succession and different from one another. The first beast, the first was the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar, was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I looked to the wings of it were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon two feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. That's Daniel. You can read that also in Daniel chapter 2 from the Amplified Bible. And then behold another beast, a second one. The Medo-Persian Empire was like a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, or one dominion, and three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told to rise and devour much flesh. Now that was the Medo-Persian kingdom that was um, uh, in power when Ezra and Nehemiah were rebuilding the temple. You see Nebuchadnezzar carried them into Babylon, Cyrus the king gave a decree, and a lot of Persian kings were instrumental in seeing them restore the kingdom. Because it says, but after this I looked, and behold, uh, behold, another, the Grecian Empire, under Alexander the Great, was like a leopard, was like a leopard, which had four wings of a bird on its back. The beast also had four heads, Alexander's generals, his successors, and dominion was given to it. You can read that also in Daniel chapter 2 in the Amplified Bible. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, the Roman Empire. I want you to see he's showing you the digression of these kingdoms, from Babylon to the Medo-Persians, Alexander the Great, and now after this I saw in the night vision and the Roman Empire, the fourth beast, the Roman Empire, terrible, powerful, and dreadful, and exceedingly strong, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled what was left with its feet. And it was different from all the beasts that came before it, and it had ten horns symbolizing ten kings. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up another one, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. If you study this beast in Daniel chapter 7 and compare it with the beast in Revelation 13 and 14, it is the exact same beast. It is the Roman Empire. I don't have time to qualify that except that I'm just reading it straight from the Amplified Bible that's showing you that the kingdom that was in power, the fourth kingdom, was the Roman Empire, and uh, it, 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 it was a, literally the one that was in power. 
and it had mouth speaking great words. It was plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. And I kept looking until thrones were placed for the assessors with the judge. And the Ancient of Days, God the Eternal Father, took His seat, whose garment was white as snow, and His hair was pure like wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, its wheels were burning fire. Let me just submit to you that these assessors and judges that were, the, the thrones were set. I kept looking until thrones were placed for the assessors with the judge. These thrones that were set are the thrones that Jesus promised His twelve apostles that they would set on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And so they were taking their seats, and this judgment, once again, is not a judgment that's in the future. It was a judgment that was about to take place in the first century, and I'll show you more Scripture in just a moment to prove that. But first of all, I've got to set the context of the time. Who's in power here? The Romans are in power. And he said, during the time that the Romans were in power, I kept looking until the thrones were placed. And the assessor, uh, they were set there for the assessors with the judge. And the Ancient of Days took his place. God the Father took his seat. And, and his uh, throne was like, the wheels were like burning fire. And a stream of fire came forth from before him, and a thousand thousands ministered to him. And ten thousand times ten thousand rose up and stood before him. And the judge was seated. And the court was in session, and the books were open. Now this, again, is during this time when this Roman Empire is in power. I looked then because of the sound of the great words which the horn was speaking, and I watched until the beast was slain, and his body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their power and dominion was taken away, yet their lives were prolonged, for the duration of their lives was fixed for a season of time. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, on the clouds of heaven came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Now I want you to know that when Caiaphas looked at Jesus, he said, you tell us plainly, are you, the, are you in fact the Messiah? Jesus quotes this verse from Daniel chapter 7. He said, and from henceforth you will see the Son of Man. And he uses the terminology Son of Man. Jesus called Himself the Son of Man throughout the gospel, especially I believe it was, I believe it was Luke's gospel, and several places where it calls Him the Son of Man. But the place that gives him, he is really identifying with Daniel, whose Daniel's prophecy is the one who calls Jesus the Son of Man. And so Jesus said to Caiaphas, you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The coming in the clouds was not His coming to get you, it was His appearing before the Ancient of Days to receive His coronation as King. His coming in clouds, literally even as, so there's so many things that could be said about cloud comings, but every time that God would judge a nation throughout the history of the Old Testament, it would talk about God riding upon the wings of the clouds, and darkness was His secret place in the clouds. And He talked about cloud comings as being a judgment upon apostate nation. I believe what He's talking about here is that Jesus is about to, first of all, appear before the Ancient of Days in a cloud and receive His coronation as King of kings and Lord of lords by the resurrection of the dead, and that there was about to be a judgment upon an apostate. And all of the old covenant saints from that time forward would be judged judged, and they will be judged according to their works. In the New Testament, we are not judged according to our works. They were judged according to the things 
that were written in the book. And uh, so this is talking about His coming on the clouds but to, to appear before the Ancient of Days, and these thrones that are set with Him are there for the judgment of the nations. And it was given Him the Messiah, dominion and glory in the kingdom, that all people, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was grieved and anxious within me, and the visions of my head alarmed me and agitated me. I came near to one of those who stood there and asked him the truth of all this, and he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High, God, shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I wished to know the truth of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly terrible and shocking, whose teeth were of iron and nails of bronze, which were devoured, broken, crushed, and trampled what was left with its feet and about the ten horns representing kings that were on its head, and, and the other horn which came up later, and before which three of the horns fell, uh, the fell horn which had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, which looked great, uh, greater than the others. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. That, that very scripture is quoted in Revelation 13, verse 7-9, that the beast would overcome the saints, for a time, times, and a short time, or times, times, and a half a times. I looked, and this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And at that time, and at the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. That's why John the Baptist would preach, repent, the kingdom is at hand. Not 2,000 years in waiting. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is like. That's why we understand that the kingdom is not a political power. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. It's located in the Holy Ghost, and that kingdom was given to the people of the saints of the Most High a long time ago, and it is an ever-increasing kingdom of the which there will be no end. Thus the angel said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and tread it down, and break it in pieces, and crush it. As for the ten horns out of this, out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after him, and shall be different from the former ones, and he shall subdue and put down three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times, Change the time of the sacred feast and the holy days and the law, and the saints shall be given to his hand for a time, two times, and a half time, or three and one half years. But the judgment shall be set, and the court of the Most High, and they shall take away his dominion to consume it gradually and destroy it suddenly in the end. Now let me just say to you again, Revelation, the 11th chapter, the holy city is given to the Gentiles, the Romans, to tread underfoot, for 42 months, times, times, and a half a times. As soon as that temple is destroyed in Revelation chapter 11, there is a resurrection of the dead, and the dead are raised, and the judgment comes as a result of the, they, the, the, the seventh trumpet sounds, which is the last trumpet. The dead in Christ are raised at the last trump, but the last trumpet sounds as soon as the temple is destroyed in A.D. 70. There, there is a judgment that would take place at the end of that age, and that would be the consummation of that age. Now, let me. I'm not going to go finish reading this in Daniel uh, because it would. Uh, I just. I, I'm. I'm. I'm running short on time, and I don't want to. 
miss what I'm saying here, but I want to sh set this uh, stage that this was the timing of this uh, particular judgment that was taking place. Now, let me just give you some, let me pull my notes up here and, and give you some scripture uh, that, that shows that that time was a time when the judgment was about to be set. In, uh, in Acts chapter 24, verse 15, he said, there is about to be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. And as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and judgment was about to come. That was in Acts chapter 24, verse 15. Also, John chapter 5, 28 through 29, he tells them, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of Man and all they that hear will live. And he goes on to say that he has fixed a day in which he is about to judge, about to judge the world. He said that in Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Christ Jesus, who is about to judge the living and the dead, about to judge the living and the dead. That's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. In James chapter 5, verse 1, verse 9, I'm sorry, James 5, verse 9 says, the judge is standing right at the door. I'm telling you there is so much evidence to this being a first century judgment of the old covenant saints and especially of apostate Israel and that this coming and judgment is not about some future event, but it was about what would happen in the first century. But a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and fury of fire which was about to consume their enemies was also spoken of in Luke chapter 19, verse 27. Luke also said, These are the days of vengeance, that all things which were spoken might be fulfilled. Uh, Revelation 11, verse 1 through 18, reveals that God judged the living and the dead, the just and the unjust, at the fall of Jerusalem, after Jerusalem was trodden underfoot for three and a half years. Revelation 11, 2, a tenth of the city fell in an earthquake. In Revelation 11, 13, 7,000 men were killed. Then quickly afterward, the kingdoms of this world were declared to be the kingdoms of our God, and uh, 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 the, uh, they were declared to become the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of the Father and the Son. Jesus was declared to be Lord. Now, I believe there's an ongoing result of this, and I believe that for believers, we are not waiting on a great white throne judgment, but for believers, it's determined whether if you believe, you have life. If you don't believe, you don't have life. For those who believe, they are saved. For those who don't believe, he said they're condemned already. So they're not a waiting period for them as far as some future judgment. He's talking about there's a judgment that's immediate. You, in other words, you're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go into whatever kind of a judgment uh, is placed for you after that. I, I, that's too much to get into on this television program. But uh, it's pretty clear to me that when you put it in the context of Daniel, you put it in the context of all of these scriptures that the judge is standing at the door. He is about to judge the living and the dead. There's a day in which he is about to judge the world. In other words, those things were about to, as Jesus put in Revelation, these things are about to shortly come to pass. And that he puts that time text in there and tells them also in Matthew chapter 24, when he's dealing with these judgments that he said in verse 34, all of this will take place before this generation passes away. So that to me, when you get on down into 
the separation that takes place in Matthew 25 of the nations are gathered before him. It's either the goat nation or the sheep nation. You're either in the kingdom or not in the kingdom. And those that are cast out were the children of the kingdom. In other words, those that had the opportunity to come into the covenants of promise, namely uh, Israel and Jerusalem, who now have rejected their king, who now have rejected this reformation, who now have decided they are not going to return out of the captivity and bondage. They are going to remain there. Are they, that judgment is about to be brought on them to separate. And what separates the sheep from the goats is, are you a believer or an unbeliever? I think that's pretty clear. I, I, and it's a lot of stuff I could go into here, but I don't want to make it too confusing. Uh, but let me just go down through some of this, some of my notes that I've got here. It said, the kingdom, of the, of the, uh, the kingdom was given. Jesus was coronated, declared to be Lord. He's not going to be Lord. He's Lord right now. Uh, but the saints of the Most High also receive the kingdom and the dominion, and it is up to us in this season to continue to see the kingdom uh, judge, or to see the kingdom expanded. I'm sorry. Uh, here's a verse that I think is, and the nations were uh, angry and your wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should give reward to your bondservants, the prophets and to the saints and to those who fear your name, small and great, and destroy those who destroy the earth. These were the people that, that that's in Revelation chapter 11. And he says that, uh, I believe that the Pharisees and the chief priests and the elders saw their judge seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. It's God's calling out and empowering of His church throughout the coming on the clouds of heaven. Uh, God is empowering His church in the last days of that old covenant to begin to bring a separation. All the tribes of the land mourned according to Revelation. That's all the tribes of the earth when they saw the one whom they had pierced. They were fell on the sword, led away captive into all nations. A lot of stuff I could say. I think I'll just skip over some of this, but let me just get, show you the sequence of events that take place even as we come on into Matthew 25 is that first the coming of the Son of Man, which I believe was in A.D. 70, and then the gathering of the sheep and the goats, Matthew 25, verse 32. Then the separation of the sheep and the goats, Matthew 25, 32. Then the casting out of the wicked into the eternal fire, Matthew 25, verse 41. But all of these things have the same context and the same order. The parable of the wedding banquet is exactly the same way. I just don't have time, I guess, to go into all of these, but uh, at the wedding banquet is first the destruction of the city in A.D. 70 and the coming of the Son of Man, then the gathering of the righteous and the wicked, the sheep and the goats, then the separation of the righteous and the wicked and the sheep and the goats, Matthew 21, 11. Then the casting out of the wicked, the goats into outer darkness, the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. The prophecy of the sheep and the goats is a uh, reiteration of the prophetic teaching of the parable of the wedding banquet. In other words, it is a time of eschatological judgment that is not in your future. That's the, that's the judgment seat that they're coming to at this Mifkad gate. And that one is not in your future. It is in your past. You determine where you're going to spend eternity the moment you either believe or you don't believe. We're about to run out of time. I, it's hard to cover it in just short. I hope that blessed you, but I felt like I needed to get that in there. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, 
Go to the website. It's the easiest way to do it. You can give via credit card or uh, debit card. You can set up a monthly debit if you'd like to become a partner. You can send a check or money order to the address on the screen, or you can call the number on the screen and give that way. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this week on the program. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.